Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that thinks Mason Mount is to football what vanilla ice cream is to Hagen Dar, and we hope he goes to United. On today's pod we're looking back on a South Coast style off with Brighton, as well as previewing Sunday's trip to Brentford. Will the bees sting us again? We'll also be going around the grounds as the Premier League signs off for the summer. Joining me to discuss all this are three blues who each have more integrity in their fingernail clippings as Guardian writers have collectively. It's Howard, Joe and Chris. Howard, you there? You well? I am. Uh, good morning. Yeah, I'm okay. Good morning. Thanks. Bit good, sniffy, good, good. Otherwise, okay, yeah. A bit sniffy as in, like, physically sniffy or just sniffy about my intro? <laughs> yeah, how do we combat the agenda, Steve? All out yeah, yeah. Uh, no, physically yeah. sniffy. I've <laughs> seen I, a lot of trams and meetings this week, so, uh, yeah. You always pick something up, don't you? So you do. And a bit do. annoyed because I had Frankie Boyle tickets last night, and I was. Well, you, you couldn't go. No, I was working. So oh, I see. Right, right. But I was annoyed for the people who went because apparently, if, if you went to the toilet during the gig, you didn't get back in the gig. What? So loads of people were just sat in the foyer for that, all that show. I've never uttered this phrase in my life. Surely that's a violation of human rights. You can't do that. It should be a violation of something. You've got a right to go to the toilet. Yeah. Weird, weird, mm. weird, weird. I mean, that's bang out. I'm a, I understand you don't want people moving around, but that is absolutely disgraceful. That, yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Huh. But anyway, yeah. So I booked him for later in the year when he's playing, and now I realise I'm going to Lisbon that weekend, so I'll never get to see Frankie Boyle, so it is what it is. So. Well, yeah, my father-in-law and sister-in-law go in next week, so I'll have to tell him to hold back on the liquid yes. intake. Yeah. <laughs> or t- take a bag in with, take a bottle in with you, because if you leave, you're not getting <laughs> back in, so. We've all done it. Yeah. Um, Joe, you there? You well? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm very intrigued by all this. But yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'd be useless because I've I've got a bladder of like a ninety year old man. Yeah, wait, same. Constantly. Wait till you get to forty nine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I gen- genuinely now, if I'm doing something that evening, like going to see a comedian, I will hold back on liquid intake. Genuinely, I like just sip water for for the hours preceding it, which is kind of pathetic. Um, Chris, are you there? And. How, how's your bladder? <laughs> okay. Hello, doctor. Thank you for seeing me. Um, I'm fine. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, my, I, I've always been like that. I've been, I, I used to have this, I used to get this reputation because in my previous life, I was a theatre director and in rehearsal, I drink a lot of water. That means I had to dash out the rehearsal room on a regular basis. And in one play I was directing, the cast asked me if I had a cocaine habit because nice. they thought I they thought I was just rushing out. But um, <laughs> Howard, Howard, were you were you informed upon purchase of ticket that there would be no punt that the, the patrons couldn't leave no. the auditorium? I don't okay. know. I, don't, I, don't, I know it said no mobile phones, which I fully agree with in any gig whatsoever. Uh, but no, I didn't see anything else. So. Yeah. Okay. So no, it contravenes consumer rights. You mm. should, even though you didn't go, you should claim. Yeah. yeah. Well, just on behalf of everyone else, I think that's an absolute disgrace. Well, it's, literally, it's... it's a piss take. <laughs> Whoa! Oh dear God! It's going to be one of those, isn't it? This morning. God, it's, it's Friday. It's eight AM. For God's sake, give me a break. <laughs> um, right, everyone. Let's look back on Brighton one, Manchester City one. With nothing riding on this for the Blues. Brighton going for European spot, obviously, uh, and not compromising on their usual blueprint, which is just l- lovely to see. 
I thought this was just a thoroughly enjoyable game of football. I'll start with you, Howard. Would you go along with that? Did you were you able to to enjoy it and sit back and relax more? No. <laughs> Why? I said this on the review. I don't. I just can't turn off. I think. I think it's because of the two finals coming. Right. Yeah. I was on a injury watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Was like, I, was, I couldn't decide what to think. I couldn't decide whether he should have put a really weak team out, put a strong team out. I understand why he put a strong team out. I just can't turn off. It's ridiculous. It was a perfect environment to enjoy a, what was a great game of football against a great side, which could have been one of the most nervous games of our season. Yes. You know, and yeah. it wasn't. And everything was set up. And, it, yeah, it was probably the two finals. I, I mean, yeah, compared to what it could have been, I obviously enjoyed it way, way more than if we needed to win to win the league or something. You know, if there was a league on the line... It would have been a lot less enjoyable, I reckon, but we don't know how that game would have gone because they wouldn't have been out drinking on Sunday. The team would have been different and the approach would have been different. So Mm. I kind of did, but I was always on edge. Uh, It's a shame in a way, yeah, because it was the perfect environment to enjoy it. I think what made it worse, and this is so damning, so I kept going on social media and people were treating it like a normal game. Hmm. You know, like, oh my God, do other all overs. And what I was like, oh God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as someone doesn't fall to the floor, none of this matters. You're not learning anything about the players. You're not learning <laughs> anything. We won the league three days previous. There's nothing to learn try and enjoy it. I think that I should have just stayed off Twitter, sat down and enjoyed it. But I think without those two cup finals, you know, if we had just won the league and these were our last two games of the season coming up, you know, Brighton and Brentford, I'd have enjoyed it a lot more. But I think I was a bit on edge with the injury situation. Um, Joe, I was immensely impressed with Brighton. I always am. And we, we will get to Brighton very shortly. But just focusing on City, what did you make of our performance um, it was patchy. I think in in, in certain areas <clears throat> we played really well. I think the um, the goal was was absolutely fantastic, and now we sliced Brighton open. And there was also a similar moment um, where Harland went through on goal, and the keeper managed to. I think he took a heavy touch, didn't he? And the keeper managed to smother the ball. But um, yeah, patchy. I thought um, Cole Palmer has took his opportunity quite well. The previous two games, I think he's he's looked quite um, direct and impressive. Um, I was gutted about the goal for for him because I thought he did really well to to dig that out. But like Howard said, it it was all about getting through it unscathed. I mean, I do concur that that we have to kind of keep. I think at, at top level football, it's all about rhythm and momentum. And, and if you take all of your star players out, you're inevitably playing with fire in that they might drop a level when it comes to playing them in the final so the finals mm. even so yeah, I kind of semi-expect he's going to continue to play them in these games but it's just the caveat of every time they go down or for example when John Stones went down before he was subbed off I was absolutely bricking it um, yeah. so that that's the only I mean it's nice in a way that literally that's all you have to worry about but it's also terrifying that what what's on the line potentially so does anyone vibe. Uh, does anyone know about the latest kind of injury news right throughout the squad who who's kind of um pep <laughs> pep knows we record the early don't we so we never get to hear the press yeah, yeah. it yeah. sounded okay after the game but obviously 
But yeah, well, the press conference will find more. So okay, okay. Um, Chris, there was in in what was a very enjoyable game of football and a relaxing game of football for the, for the viewers. There was a moment of controversy with a disallowed goal. Um, Erling Haaland's header ruled out for a, a pullback on 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 defender. Um, from a refereeing perspective, what did you make of it? Um, kind of twofold, Chris, if that's okay. Kind of your thoughts on it, and how did you think the ref dealt with it? Okay, can I ask you three of you then? What do you think I'm going to say? I think you're going to say... <laughs> ask the ref. Yeah, I, I think you're going to agree with the referee. Um, I agree with the referee. Um, Howard? I think Chris is going to agree with the referee. Over to yep. you, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Um... I think he'll agree with the referee. Oh, it's a yeah, so swing sweep. Categorically a foul. Yeah, I thought so. No, no. Dis- now, now, I think the context is important. If I, I was trying, this game was weird because as I was watching it, I was thinking, what resemblance would this bear to the game if we needed to beat Brighton to win the title? And and I and I don't quite know what the what that that game would have looked very different, I think. And I think City's lineup would have looked well a little bit different, and the way we approached it would look different. So maybe the, the the that context would have increased the intensity. But I don't know why there's any debate at all from anyone across the footballing fraternity or in the City fan base that that isn't a goal. When I saw that goal go in my first thought was that's shocking defending because he was basically on his own and then you saw why he was on his own because he pulled the player so you know it's it's a free kick because it's 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 holding and in about four or five seasons ago there was there was a directive as part of the laws of the game in terms of holding that if pulling the shirt back prevents another player's movement towards the ball or protecting the ball, then it's definitely a foul. And um, yeah, it was clear that it, do- it doesn't matter that the defender laid a hand on Harlan. It, it didn't it didn't impede his movement. Harlan clearly pulled him back, got in front of him. But um, Chris, I, just to play devil's yeah. advocate here, yeah. the defender tugged his shirt first, then he tugged his. But it didn't. But the defender didn't impede Haaland's yeah. movement. Uh, that's what I thought you'd say. So, right. Yeah, it, it didn't. It, you've, you've got. You can't just. It, it is an important thing about about contact, particularly in the penalty area. But I also thought, I thought Pep was out of line, um, and because he manhandled the assistant, he's out of line with that. I understand his frustration, but he pushed the assistant out of the way. I mean, it was it was handbags. But if the assistant does that to Pep Guardiola or any other manager, rightly so, they they would be annoyed about it. So I was slightly troubled by that. I think I, th- I think that 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 they him and um, uh, Rafaela should should have just calmed themselves down. Really, it was uncharacteristic, don't you think, it, it, a Pep? Yeah, it was. It was just. I don't. I mean, obviously, I, I think he's thinking about he wants to keep the record going. He wants to keep the run going, and maybe thinking about. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I just. I just thought it was poor behaviour on the sidelines. And if we saw Klopp do that, we'd we'd, we'd comment on it. So yeah. generally, I, I think it was. Yeah, I, I don't think. I, I don't think anyone has any evidence that they can present to say that that wasn't a foul. Clearly, was a foul. It clearly impeded the, the defender. And then Guardiola needs to take a look at himself on that one. I thought it was poor. I mean, I love the guy, but don't be manhandling people. It's it's out of order because I would say the same thing if someone manhandled him. Yeah. Okay, Chris, can I just ask you a quick question? Yeah. Because I'm interested from a referee's perspective. When there's a game like this where 
on a subconscious level it's a dead rubber basically for one of the teams do you think yeah. subconsciously that that can impact the referee in terms of I don't know maybe in, in terms of, of, of decision making or if they, if they on a subconscious level will allow the team who are basically you know nothing left to play for off with with more things that they would normally be more stringent with do, basically does does that, in your experience, play a factor? We've had this. We have had this conversation before. It's undeniable that the gravity of the game and the significance of the outcome of that particular fixture does it intensifies everything for everybody involved in the game, for the managers, for the players, and for the the, the officials as well. Now. It, it so and the way that impacts is that you you know that your decision making will be scrutinized to a much greater degree and so therefore your your your, your kind of your concentration levels are massively uh, increased um but you still should deliver the same verdict that you would do regardless of the context uh, of the game i think w- when there's a game that you referee that that has a lot less hanging on it the impact it has is that often players and managers are far less ferocious in their objection to any decisions that 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 you make. I don't think there was anything dubious about the decision that the that the that the referee made in the end based upon um, uh, the 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 VAR. And, and quite simply, I think that the the referee it was a clear and obvious error because because he, he missed it because the offence happened when the ball when the ball was on the other side of the pitch it was just as Cole was taking it so to answer your question Joe um, I think the intensity level of the game will change and so players will object as much but no a consistent referee shouldn't be affected by um, by by what the what what gravity the game is holding into in terms of outcome I mean I certainly don't. Um, but and and in this instance, it can't be questioned. The the, the right decision was was reached. Um, it's only right and proper that we give Brighton their dues. Um, they've just been superb this season. I want to come to each of you on this. I want to mix it up a bit and start with you, Joe. There's not many sides who rack up twenty shots, seven on target against City for the second time this season. It feels like we've we, they kind of matched us in every department. There's an awful lot to like and admire about them, isn't there? Absolutely. I think <clears throat> from a footballing perspective, I would say they're the third best team in the league. Yeah. Um, if not higher. I think their their collective press is so impressive because it's very often that you see the likes of John Stones and, and, and the keeper. Because let's not forget Ortega. You know he's 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 not too shabby himself with his with his kicking and the amount of times we were forced to just hoofing it up the pitch, which is very rare. I mean you see us go to the likes of the Allianz and, and Madrid and play out in comfortable situations, but you always got the impressive that the impression sorry that our, our players weren't comfortable in possession playing out at, at times during that game and that's testament to how well organised as a unit Brighton are. And I think the football I think there was a particular nasty foul. Um, by Bernardo forgive me I can't remember who he brought down it was a real tactical foul but the passage of play beforehand where they just totally opened us up was really impressive and at times it is like watching City in blue and white stripes I feel Um, I think they're just so impressive and from an outside um, point of view I really do hope that they hang on to some of the better players this summer because I know we've been here historically with other clubs like Southampton who've gone this summer 
um, this season, sorry, where they continue to hemorrhage players and they keep going to the well to pull out new ones and eventually it does run out. So I hope they're obviously going to lose a few, but I hope it's no more than like one or two because I think they're a real asset to the Premier League and, and I really enjoy watching them. The um, the recruitment is a big part of it. Of course it is, Howard. Um, and I, I saw something on the BBC site saying that the amount of teenagers who have scored for Brighton this season is two more than the whole rest of the Premier League put together. <laughs> so even if, you know, obviously it won't be great, but even if they do lose the likes of McAllister and, and Casado this, this summer, um, I completely agree with Joe, by the way. I, I fear it could be another Southampton two, three years down the line. Um, but certainly next season, you feel that, you know, the youngsters that they've got, the manager that they've got, they could be top four contenders next season, do you think? Uh, yeah, but as you've already said, the vultures are already circling. Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice even for us to have one year without you know having players picked off. But hey, that's the circle of uh, life of football, is it not? They <laughs> they got the players off someone else. They got the manager off someone else. Unless he was out of post at the time. I don't know if Deserbi was in the job at the time. So you know, if there's a there's a pecking order, and that's how it works. But yeah, brilliantly run brilliantly scouted everything set up perfectly but as you say Steve it's hard for a club like that to keep it going forever because eventually you know one false step when when you don't get to keep your players financially yeah really secure but it's about being on the pit what you do on the pitch ultimately and we've seen with Southampton they were a beacon really you know for many years of how a club should be run a club of that side you know a club not a big six club who couldn't compete with them. They were the beacon and now they're in the championship because at some point you take a misstep and it can go, you know, it can spiral downhill very quickly indeed. So I think they're on a level above, you know, Brighton are just really, and it's, it's just wonderful for the Premier League. It's, you know, morally you might uh, disagree with Newcastle's owners, but it's still brilliant to see the, the cartel being broken up here and if Brighton could break into that top bracket as well that would be absolutely astonishing especially yeah. as it keeps the likes of Chelsea Liverpool or you know, Spurs out of Champions League football I'm all for it they can't do it forever because they have the the luxury of being able to play obviously teenagers and bring players through because they're not expected to win trophies and they can't keep producing, however good their recruitment is, they can't just keep selling everyone and recruiting. So I really hope, you know, if you're a Brighton fan, you, you don't want to see these players for one or two years and then move on. Yeah. You want to experience them like we have, you know, with City's players five, six, seven years. McAllister's going to go into but I hope they keep the core of the side of most of them for at least a couple of years. And, you know, working under deserving, that's as... Yeah, they might want Champions League football, but they've got European football next season. And you can't underestimate the influence of playing under a manager as well of you know of this level. So Deserbi himself could be a big lure and important for keeping players at the club for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just kind of boiling it down to one moment of their brilliance this season and Saizo's goal, Chris. Um, I love the fact that City fans were applauding it behind the goal before it went in. Um, mm. What a goal that was from from a kid! 
Yeah, I think, um, and like I said before, I think I, I wonder how he'd have felt about that goal if the title was on the line. But, yeah, <laughs> yes. we were able to. We were able. We, that, that I would have said bastard. it was fluke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would. I would have said it. I would have said it was fluke, and he didn't mean it. It was a cross. So yeah. But um, I think. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think. That I, I always like that. I did see that guy apl- like applauding behind. But yeah, it was a lovely. I mean, it was an audacious strike, and it was a lovely strike. And I think also it's symptomatic of the the level of confidence that the manager has imbued within that squad that they'll take opportunities like that. I, I do think it's worth saying though. That what we're seeing from Brighton isn't just a phenomenon that's about this season. That obviously Deserve has come in and implemented something which is slightly different from Potter, but the foundations that were laid and were built up by Potter before his departure are still a part of what we're seeing now from Brighton. Um, and I think I think that's important to know because obviously Potter's reputation has dimmed because of his because uh, of the debacle at Chelsea, but he's still he's still laid down the foundation with that squad before Deserve came in and he left for Chelsea. Um, but I agree with I agree with Howard that 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 business plan of of, of bringing blooding in new players, improving them, and selling them it isn't sustainable. And and I um, uh, I was very fortunate that when we won the title in eighteen nineteen, we won at Brighton. A friend of mine is on the board at Brighton, so I got to, I got to go to the boardroom in the, for that game, and I, I had a conversation with Tony Bloom. And I have the impression that he would he's not he's not particularly excited about the idea of having a business model like Southampton's where mm. players come and go. I, I think he 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 sees the bigger picture and he's 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 very aware of the fact that some players won't want to come to Brighton and there's only so much expansion that they can do. But I don't think he's interested in being a feeder club for larger larger teams I think it's interesting to see where he can take this team so I like and I'd be interested to see who he buys who he sells it over the summer but yeah they're, they're just they're a fantastic team uh, to watch they've made, they've made incredible progress I just do wonder to what extent they can really threaten that cartel as I refer to them as because I, I just don't know what's within their capability to be able to keep expanding well I used to watch a lot of um, Tony Bloom playing poker and uh yeah, strategically, he'll know what he's doing. He's, yeah. he's an extremely astute man. Um, okay, let's turn our attentions to Brentford, uh, the closing game of the season for all concerned. Um, Howard, um, round of predictions. We've already touched on injuries and, thankfully, the, the lack of. Um, how are you expecting Pep to go with this one? Uh, strong side. I guess the three who felt anything in that game well, Foden came up and felt tightness, didn't he? John Stones felt something. Ultra, ultra precaution, you know, I assume. I don't know with Bernardo Silva, to be honest. But those first two, I guess you just don't play them anyway. If you, if they felt something, I don't know. But otherwise, you just pick a strong side again. I think, you know, I, I honestly thought that Brighton side would be really weak because it was a bonus game and he didn't do it so if he's not doing it in that game I don't see why he'd go weak for Brentford one if he wants to prepare for the cup final the following week so it would be impossible for me to pick a precise 11 uh, he's got five substitutes again so use them and just use the squad but I expect pretty much all our senior all the players that are in contention for cup final starting berths to to get some time on the pitch, unless yeah. they have the smallest doubts over fitness. 
So generally, just staying with you, Howard, just kind of generally speaking, you're expecting this the stronger place to start and be brought off as opposed to the other yeah. way around. Yeah, yeah I don't okay. think he, yeah, I think that's how Pep does it in a way. Yeah. Around 50 minutes or 60 minutes, you know, he'll pick he'll pick two around 60. He might pick another one or two around 70, 80 minutes. Will be you know, if that if the plan goes to perfection basically not everyone's going to get 90 minutes nor do they need 90 minutes but he'll want some game time in their legs so you know he'll change a defender or change a midfielder he'll probably bring Harland off at some point maybe or maybe you know going back to the Brighton match you know I still I do think Harland's a bit rusty at the moment uh mentioned this on the review you know he stayed I don't think he was subbed was it against Brighton no uh, so Pep might just want him to get game time and get his rhythm back a bit uh, because, I mean, the header, the header's a header. He, it is an area when he joined, he said he's looking to improve. Uh, and if, we still forget how young he is. So that header in the first half, yeah, he's done that before. The one-on-one, again, was, his, his first three touches were perfect. The fourth one, a bit of a mistouch. I think he was caught in two minds whether to shoot or go around the keeper. Uh, a bit of rhythm for him. He may well play the whole game as well. I don't know. So, yeah, just use, basically use that six, use, yeah, 16 players. I don't know, goalkeeper-wise, perhaps... Edison will come back in, but if it's the FA Cup final the next week and Ortega starting that, then Ortega might stay in goal. And the shining light from Brighton for me was Phil Foden. I'd love yeah. to have seen him get some more game time against Brentford to give Pep something to think about in the two cup finals. But if he's feeling anything, we've got to be very cautious at the moment with him and John Stones. So I guess we'll learn more in the press conference. Uh, mm-hmm. and, or maybe they could come on for 10 minutes if... They're over that, so I've got to say I I, do, I want Edison to start um, and then alternate the next, you know. So basically, FA Cup final, take a Champions League final, Edison, because otherwise, Edison won't have played uh, a competitive game for well over two weeks, and I just it's not ideal for a goalkeeper that. So I'm hoping Edison start on uh, at the weekend at least. Um, Joe, we've won all six of our final day games under Pep, three of them by the scoreline of five nil, even minus Ivan Tony though. This one feels a lot trickier. Um, would you go along with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, tuned in to watch them against Spurs. Thought they were really good there. So yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely going to be um, a tough task. I think. I don't think it will be four or five nil. No, <laughs> in a in a short answer. But- Does it? Um, well, just staying with Brighton then. They've got an outside shot of European football. Is is that a factor? I mean, the fact that they've got something to play for, as Brighton did at, at midweek. Yeah, so I mean, if I if I put myself in their shoes, say it was City like twenty years ago, and we had an outside factor of yes, getting into yeah. Europe and playing a team that say Chelsea and the titles in the bag, I'd I'd be you know wanting and expecting us to go for it full throttle, and I think that atmosphere will probably transcend from the stands onto the pitch. I think um, you just mentioned Tony, him being out is probably uh, shone the light on. Uh, and oh, I'm apologies if I. Embomo, yeah, uh, Embomo, yeah. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic against Tottenham, and I know Tottenham aren't anything brilliant at the minute, but he really put them to the sword. So they've got players who can hurt you. I think you know the Beatles at the Etihad back in um, November. Uh, I think the two games against them last season were tough. So yeah, I think it's going to be uh, 
When you add in that caveat of potential European football, I think it's going to be a real tricky one, this. Which it has in the past as well. Chris, in all three of our games against Brentford, we've won 1-0, 2-0, and we've lost, of course, this season 2-1. We've always struggled to break them down, though. They've always been a tough nut to crack. Why is there certain teams that City struggle against, whilst others we just routinely thrash 5-0? Is is that down to the opposition manager? Is that down to the type of football that team plays that we we tend to struggle against? Uh, What is it, do you think? It's probably a combination of factors, really. I think Brentford are really well managed. That they do when they play us, they always insist upon the counter attack. So that so when we lost to them before the World Cup, it means a little bit of a kind of I don't know a little bit of a, of, of, of a, an anomaly that one because you could see that players were already focusing on travelling to the World Cup, and so there wasn't the same level of intensity. But Brentford counter really effectively. Some teams attempt to counter. Uh, you know, it's, it's like when we played Leeds. You know, they they attempt to counter, but they're just not very good at it. Uh, whereas Brentford really are. I mean, so uh, it's an odd one because I'm now just singularly focused on the two finals coming up. And whilst you know, whilst I want to watch the the, the, the Brentford game, it is a bit of a distraction for me. Mm. But I think I just think we need to be careful because. Brentford, it's not it's not in their hands, is it, to get European football? They need no, to win and yeah, two, so, two sides to lose, yeah. Yeah. So 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 it's an outside chance. But I still think that will mean that they will play with a certain intensity because of the possibility. The risk is it, there's, there's this myth about how players get injured when leading up to big 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 finals. Is if players play with with, with even just ten percent reduced intensity, they are much more vulnerable to, yes. to injury, yeah. and 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 that's why I, I think we need to be slightly careful. I mean, I I mean this this is crazy, but 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 I I would consider playing Pep playing the lineup. He would consider playing for the Champions League final because we're playing a counter attack inside against Brentford and Inter Milan are, are the same. That they're a counter attack inside. Um, and and I, I agree. I would play Edison. He needs time, but but I just think we have to take the game seriously. And this 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 st- trying to strategically manage avoiding injuries is a folly because, as we know, it, injuries can come from a, a variety of different sources, and and a lot of it is out of your hands as well. So I would actually go strong with this. With a mind that this reflects the lineup we might play against Inter, um, and then the FA Cup game will will will, will t- t- take care of, it, of itself. But I do I expect Brentford to bring it on the pitch, and we need to be there to answer because even if even though we're not taking the game seriously, if we lose deep down, it does have an impact. We don't want to lose a game, yeah. And 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 it's, and that's I'd be careful of managing that. It's twenty five unbeaten now, yeah. So you make it 26 going into the two cup finals. Mm. But the flip side is, dangerous as this game is, and it's not on TV either, so I don't know if we'll be even able to watch it anyway. Uh, what what better prep than Brighton and Brentford for two cup finals? Yeah. I mean, you know, in a way, what? Who, yeah, would you want Southampton, uh, an already relegated Southampton at home this weekend? What, what would it help us more 
if it was, you know, less intense. I mean, yeah, it's dangerous to have an intense Brentford game. But you saw the players against Brighton, especially Haaland, getting stuck in. They don't see it the way I am, sat there going, oh my God, someone's going to get injured, someone's going to get injured, like mm. shrieking all the time. Chris is right. It's like staying out of the way or just isn't going to protect you in a way. You have to play your normal game. Players don't tend to get injured. Just but you know, there was one like 50-50 on the edge of the Brighton area that I definitely saw a City player not going as hard as as you'd probably expect normally. And that was fine in a way. You're not going to go in for a crunching tackle. Uh, you can get injured that way. But generally, the intensity in the Brighton game wasn't that much lower. It was a bit lower and you saw that in the you know, in how Brighton dominated at times, how they are a great side. There's no other way to play. There's no way this is why Pep picked a strong side. There's no other way to do it except just play your normal game and treat them as serious games. And I said on the review and I asked Asan and he said yes. Pep would probably rather take an injury or two and play these games as as if they were important games than wrap his players in cotton wool, get no injuries and go mm. into two cup finals with that momentum totally gone. So you have to take the risk, I think. So You know, if you've played football, you know that if you go into a 50-50 challenge thinking about injury, you're yeah. going to get mm. injured. Mm. Yeah. Because you're not your committed, momentum, it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. your momentum, will, and, and, and why on earth would we want to reduce our momentum at, uh, at the moment? I don't want to walk, I don't want to walk, I don't want the team to walk onto Wembley and then walk onto the pitch in Istanbul, having tentatively managed the previous two weeks. It, it's, it's, we, the way the team have been managed in terms of their energy levels has been just model. It's been absolutely outstanding. And, and they don't look tired. They look as if they're peaking just at the right time. So I, I, I think for me, it's just ro- some rotation, but very little change in terms of approach and, in- and, uh, and intensity. We have enough time to recover in between games. We've got three games in effectively 13 days. We have enough time to recover and manage the players' yeah. e- e- energy levels. We've had our last midweek game of the season. Just very, very, very quickly. You see, even within a game, how you, c- you can't reverse momentum. Like when we eased off against Leicester, mm. you know, we switched the tap off and... We've done it so many times, game managed, get three up, stop, you know, just like ease down into second gear. And once they got a goal, there was no turning that tap back on. It was like <laughs> a really stressful 20 minutes. Some of that might have been because of the subs and, you know, brought some big players off. But you can't turn that momentum around once it's very hard to change. It's like an inertia, basically. So, yeah, you have to keep going to the end now. The players, fatigue-wise, I don't think it can be an issue because they can see... They can see the finish line now. It's like mm. when I'm blowing out my arse, <laughs> climbing up a hill in the Lake District, thinking, why have I done this? But once you see the top of the, once you see the peak, it gets you going. And I think fatigue-wise, cannot be an issue now because there are so few games left and they know what they have to do. So, um, Joe, on a, on a related note to this discussion, do you think Pepper's already kind of nailed down his, his, his lineup for the Champions League final? Or do you think there's still a, a chance for a player to play their way into contention, you know, whether it be this weekend or or in the FA Cup final? I think that what sums Pep up is, as a phrase would probably subject to change. I mm. think he's such a... Um, touch wood, it doesn't go anything like it did in 2021. But, I mean, going into that and he dropped Rodri, I mean, you just never know what he's going to do. And I feel like he can be influenced by... 
he strikes me as a manager that can be influenced by um, how players are applying themselves in training or experimenting with different things. If he thinks players can do a certain role, he'll obviously be studying Inter and um, United quite a deal at the moment. So I feel hopefully we get through this Brentford game and, and, the, and the FA Cup final without injury uh, and it'll come down to ultimately what he feels are the best 11 to get the job done. I think it's clear that there's a select few that are almost like his lieutenants on the pitch. Yes. Um, yeah. I think Rodri, I think Grealish has actually built himself into that now. It's a testament to his season. Um, I expect them to start. But I think it, it's quite fluid in terms of, as I've said, how, how he views player performance between now, how they, how they um, approach um, training and the games in terms of the professionalism. And, and just from a tactical perspective. So I don't but, think you'll have a set team in his mind as such. Joe, I, I do wonder if this season we have seen a shift from that impulsivity of Pep. And and, and the reason I say that, I, I do feel he's been slightly more pragmatic this season. And, and I think the best example of it is, is our progression through the quarters and the semifinals of the Champions League, where he where I think he pretty much kept the same starting lineup, didn't he? For the mm. two games against Bayern, the two games against Madrid, apart from, I think, was it Walker coming in yeah. against Madrid? So, uh, and, and that seemed to reflection of he knew that, that both the, to, to contain Bayern and, and uh, Madrid, it was to press high, to start defending at the very front. And that's why, for example, Bernardo was in there. I, I mean, I, I, hope, I hope I'm not. I hope I, I, I'm, I'm not wrong here, but I, I honestly, I think he already has his FA Cup and his Champions League mm, line. I, I think so. I, I was going to ask you that just yeah, next. Yeah. I, 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 I think he's already got it. Um, and I think, it, you know, if, if he was to ask me, I would say, go, go with it. And because the simple fact is your players now can adjust in the middle of the game, you've got them to such a point, they have autonomy, they can make those switches. I think before there wasn't the same level of trust in the squad, he thought he had, he had to, it's almost as Pep thought he had to create all the answers before the game started. Now he knows his players can manage that themselves. So he knows what his players are capable of. Of course, Foden's showing, Foden always shows, but I think Foden's stage will be in the FA Cup at Wembley. I, I, I don't think he'll start in the Champions League final. I personally want the same team that beat Madrid to start in there. I think that, I think that team can navigate the challenge that Inter Milan will, 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 will present. And, and I, and I hope that he's, and I hope that he's already got his FA Cup. First eleven sorted in in his head, and only injuries or fatigue might shift that. I tell you what, can I just caveat there? I'm nervous now. I'm already nervous. That's, <laughs> can I just caveat that though? What 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 gives me a bit of it? Oh, plays up to my nerves is I think with Bayern and Real Madrid, there's almost more of a respect element. No disrespect to Inter, or all right, maybe a bit of disrespect to United, but we're going into these games as strong favourites. Whereas with Bayern, I felt you had to respect their qualities. And let's not forget, even though we ended up winning the tie comfortably, I think in the first half, Bayern were excellent by and large. Um, of the first leg and Real Madrid after what happened last year, I think a lot of respect went into his team selections and pandering to the specific needs of the game. Whereas I think going into these games, I would suggest we are heavy favourites to 
to win both. So I don't know if that plays into how he approaches the game and his lineup, but I'm just playing I, devil's advocate here. Can I caveat that caveat, Joe? Because I, because I think that that I I don't think he will, because in the set you know Inter have Champions League, European Cup pedigree and and heritage, and I yes. think the one th- and I th- I think I think the one thing that that Guardiola knows and we know as well. Into a, a bit of an outside bet to, to, to get to the final, but they're in the final for a reason, and I think and I think that's I think Pep will be really aware of that. That he'll know he'll know exactly where their threat is coming from, like a new Bayern threat, a Madrid's threat uh, are coming from. And but the, the question I would pose then is 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 if we is if for some reason we did think there would be a reduced level of respect, what would he? What would he look to tweak? What would he look to change tactically to to to, to um, increase the probability of winning the Champions League final? Like what 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 could he put? Look, I think that at the mo- at the minute that this our team looks invulnerable. I can't spot a weakness. It's usually a weakness in any quality side. I can't see one. So if we th- if if we think there is a fear that he might tweak, to do what? What would he look to improve? I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, two, obviously, against, against, okay. against Chelsea, as good as, as Rodri had been for us that season, there was a reason why Pep did what he did. And yeah. And there, that, that's what's in my mind, re- Steve. Yeah. But there's not, I, I, I can't conceive of a reason why he would do anything of a similar ilk. I just, I just can't, not against Inter. And again, no disrespect to them because when I've seen them in the Champions League this season, they have looked really well organised and really good. Less so in, in Serie A. Um, okay, they are just... in form. They're in form in Serie A. Yeah. Well, so. yeah. But no overall, United United is a derby in the cup finals. So. That's the no thing. Complacency there, even if we are heavy favourites. We are talking down United, which obviously I'm all in favour of, but it's wrong to do so. It, it's wrong to do so. Um, well, Anthony's injured, so that's again, that's yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very quickly, however, before we move on to score predictions, um, will you be? In, it, let's say we find a stream or you find a way of watching the game this, this Sunday. Will you be entirely focused on it or will you be distracted by the relegation battle that's been going on elsewhere? No, I think the relegation battle is just as uh, more interesting, to be honest. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, it's, a city well, I, I, it's a city game. It always will, basically, multiple screens. So <laughs> you yeah. can have two games up at once, can't you? So yeah, uh, I don't know if we're talking about the relegation thing, but, you know, if Everton get a couple of early goals, then that becomes less interesting anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that would require them to score goals, which is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, let's very quickly end on score predictions. Howard, uh, Brentford City? Yeah, I think Brentford might win this because their need is so much greater. Mm. It's the final home game. 2-1 to Brentford, I think. I, I don't think that would be damaging to City as long as everyone's fit. I think it'll be, a, I think it'll be like Brighton. It'll be quite a... It'll just be a good watch, I think. I really do yeah. think it'd be a good watch in the, uh, sun, in the sun, and yeah, uh, yeah, a real, yeah, one one a neutral would uh, enjoy. But I think Brentford's needs and their last home game and the way they set up, even without Tony, maybe a two-one win for them. But I don't think that has any bearing really on a cup final next week if we do lose by the odd goal. Okay, I'm going three-one City. I think Brentford will score, and I think they'll give us a good game. But three-one City. Um, you can tell how li- little pressure there is on this game. That must be the first time I've ever 
the Mark Lawrenson of podcasts. This must be the first time I've ever predicted a city loss on a podcast because I yeah. ain't that bothered. So yeah, there's a big there's a big gap there as well in, in our guesses. Two one for for Brentford, three one yeah. for City. And um, Joe, where do you fall on it? I think it'll be like I would say very similar to the other night. Uh, I think Brentford obviously uh, have a lot to play for. So I think given the quality that we have, though, even when we're you know, got our, our focus elsewhere. We've still got more than enough to, to compete with any team. So I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. Nice. Okay, Chris? I think I think there will be goals, and I think Brentford will, will kind of take it. So, But I still think we'll win, but I'm going to go for a 3-2 win. Wow, okay. So we've all back goals. We've a lot there, yeah. Yeah, we really nil, have, haven't we? Nil-nil it is then, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's a boring nil-nil will be fine for me as well, so... Let's look further south to the relegation battle. Um, are the three clubs concerned? Um, Joe, I'll come to you and then you, Chris, to follow. So, Joe, are the three clubs concerned? Who has the easiest fixture, do you think? Or, indeed, is there such a thing as an easy fixture, given the circumstances? I don't think when you're on the bo- at the bottom, any of the fixtures are easy, because a lot of the time, you know, the fixtures that you expect to be easy are the ones that you lose, hence where you end up down there. And you get the occasional point where you raise your game usually against better teams. Um, but looking at it here, so let's just go through it quickly. You've got Everton v Bournemouth, uh, Leicester v West Ham, and Leeds, I think, have got Tottenham, haven't they? So, I mean, on paper, you would say Leeds are playing probably the best team but Tottenham have just completely disintegrated um, and are shambles so they have got a chance you then look at Leicester uh, against West Ham West Ham European final probably similar boat to City not had a great season in the league not sure how that goes I can see Leicester winning that but again they've not really got any sort of structure under Dean Smith but they did manage to grind that point out at um, at St. James's. And then um, the final one, Everton, Bournemouth. Bournemouth are a bit like, I think they're, on paper, you're saying, as an Everton fan, we've got half a chance here because Bournemouth are safe, but they've got players who can hurt you. And the kind of a, a team that I've been underestimated all year and have played against the grain. And I think it won't phase them going into that hostile atmosphere at Goodison. Yeah. I think that, so... Looking at it in a weird way, and I'm sure you guys may disagree, I think Leicester might have the best fixture against West Ham, especially give, give, giving themselves like they've yeah. given themselves a fighting chance against um, Newcastle. I think West Ham could very much just roll over, uh, which makes it very interesting for the other two clubs. I, I, well, I mean, think. it, it but, might play out like that, but look at West Ham last weekend. It was a few days, was it three days after their kind of big semi-final Everyone expected them to have a, like a, a somewhat of a hangover and kind of still be in celebratory mood, and they looked bang on it against Leeds. Well, so s- somewhere in a parallel universe, there's a West Ham podcast where they go, "We must put out a strong side to keep momentum." Yes, for, exactly. For yes, and they've got a full week as well. So, and there'll be players looking to break it. You know, actually mm. get started spot think, in that final. So, and I think Leicester are the the team I'd least have confidence in actually getting a result. Yeah, because they're so well, flimsy. I mean, Everton have not got. Carrot Lewin's out, I think. He? So, yes, he is. And Bournemouth, yeah, you can Bournemouth that side where you just dismiss. Oh, yeah, you can beat them if you need to, but can be dangerous. And look at the job, yeah, they've done this season. It's weird how they've mm. all fallen this way. But can I ask you a question? Spurs, 
they're on the cusp, aren't they, of uh Navigation. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lampard's not in charge. So they're a point behind Villa in that conference league spot. Mm. If you're Spurs, though, so they've got something to play for, but if you're Spurs, do you want to qualify for the Conference League or do you would you have? rather be out of Europe altogether? Out of Europe altogether and, and put together an Arsenal season if possible, although that is exceedingly unlikely. Um, Chris, because you, um, you haven't spoken about this so so far, what's your thoughts on, on the three games in general? So, I mean, I really think that Everton needed... A season on the naughty step. I think I think they would really benefit from getting relegated because they've been so badly managed. Financially, though, they're going to be hit so hard. Of course, of course. But in terms of Everton had that has that syndrome that we had for years that we're a big club, we can't afford to we can't go down, we're too big to go down. And whilst it was devastating, going down to the all third division had had the required of impact for us to say actually we're not that big club anymore. We've got a lot of work to do. And I think Everton, because they've maintained that top level status for so long that actually how many times can you face a, a relegation battle that that like they've been facing. However, I do think they will survive. And and I I think that at home, even though Cavaloon is 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 not available, I, I just I just think they'll win at home. I think they'll beat beat Bournemouth and they'll make the 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 Leeds and the Leicester fixtures irrelevant. And 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 there's that you know you, if you look at it, it's it's you've got three managers there who've all been brought in to do a to to do a specific job, which is survival. Um, I want Leeds to go down because of their dinosaur approach to bring in Allardyce. Hmm. And I, I, I feel, I don't feel, I, I feel a lot of indifference really towards Dean Smith com, com, coming into to, to Leicester, but I just think Dyche has been in there longer. Um, and, 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 and it, it feels, you know, it's in their hands. And I just feel that the Everton at home will take advantage of that. So I actually, I, I anticipate that the table will look the same at the end of Sunday. Hmm. Uh, well, uh, Sunday evening as it does now. Yeah, I give you my my prediction too. I'm going to stick my neck out on the line. I, on. I think I think Everton will draw with Bournemouth, mm. which will put them on 34, and I think Leicester will beat West Ham, um, and that will put them both on the same points. But Leicester will survive on goal difference. Just got a feeling. That's well, I've, I've got to say, my, my wife's family are all Evertonians, and this is really, and the season ticket holders as well, and this is really starting to affect them. The last few months have been hard, and Everton mates have got as well. They are really, and it has crossed my mind exactly what you said, Chris, where if they go down, maybe in four or five weeks' time, they can just be like, start to look forward to next season. And saying, okay, we could actually go up this year. We we'll actually be playing different teams as well. It'll be a, it'll be a change if nothing else. It'll be a change from struggling week in week out as well. Because if they don't go down, next season's not going to be any different for them. It's going to be the same again. So it might be a blessing for fans, I think, for Everton to go down, but certainly not the club, and and they cannot afford to go down. I I think Everton are going to be okay. I, I will say about Leeds. I described it this week as um, Leeds have got the best possible opponents in Spurs because they're broken and they've got no will to fight. And basically you can really go at them and they'll just wilt, but they've got the worst possible opposition player in Harry Kane. Um, the other two teams aren't playing Harry Kane this weekend. And that could be a decisive factor for Leeds for me. This is when, yeah, 
Spurs are like the most dangerous opposition in a way because they've got nothing to play for while it's the other team's got huge pressure on them. Is that, yes, yeah, Spurs could go up, up the pitch and score goals because, yeah, because <laughs> they, maybe, you know, they're not under the same scrutiny and pressure as the, the other side. But yeah, I, I don't think Leicester can afford to go down either financially. So No, no, they are in trouble. They are, yeah, yeah which is but, a damning indictment of FFP, isn't it, really? Yeah, but Leeds are done if Everton get any points in this game because their goal difference is the worst of the three. So they yeah. need Everton to lose. Um, completely switching tack here. Um, but this is the last game of the season. We are facing, obviously, we've got two enormous cup finals for us, for City fans. But generally speaking, we're facing a good five, six weeks of no competitive football. How are you all kind of feeling about that? I'll come to you first, Chris. Are you looking forward to a break from football um, or will you, will you miss it? I was thinking about this the other day, actually, because... It has, it has, because of the World Cup punctuating the season. It has felt like a tremendous. Well, it is a tremendously long season because it's because normally we, we'd have finished by now. Um, I, but I have to say that the next two, well, after after Brentford, the FA Cup final, the Champions League, will impact on how I feel over those five to six weeks. Um, simply because. If if we don't, I don't know. I I I've never. I feel that we're 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 the best equipped we've ever been as a team to be able to do the the, the treble. And I am thinking thinking things in context because the way that we caught up with Arsenal has been a remarkable achievement. But if we lose the Champions League final, I don't quite know how I'm going to feel over the next five five to six weeks and and how it, how it may taint that break away from football um so yeah i can't quite answer that properly because i just it's like even though at the end of the premier league season we so haven't finished our season yes this, um, yeah, yeah do you know what i mean it, it, the, the 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 next two weeks feel like a whole season <laughs> the end, the and, and the the end is so key isn't it because i was sat there yeah. two nil down against villa last season and I was thinking way beyond what this means today. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about my summer, and I was thinking that yeah. against QPR, it's like my summer rests on. It doesn't really. It's a lie. You get over it. You enjoy the break. But in the moment, you certainly think my summer rests on how the yes. season ends, uh, which is ridiculous in a way. But I'll de- personally, I'll definitely be. Oh, I'm always ready for a break at the end of a football season. It's it's draining. Even as a, just as a fan, it's draining. And obviously with two cup finals to go, I am absolutely going to be ready for a break, whatever the results are. So, Can I ask, just very quickly then, Howard, <laughs> if we'd lost to QPR in 2012, how long would it have taken you to get over it? Oh, that Ten one would be worse than anything that followed. So yeah. I never. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, honestly, I mean, Chris, all I was thinking of when, when we were two down, uh, when we were down, two on down, sorry, QPR was... This is over for me. My life's over. I'm I'm uh, not going to recover from this. I just can't ever see a way of, of getting over this. I'd have got I, over it when we next when we won our first league title. I, same with me. But at the time, in that moment, I just thought everything hangs on this. Um, mm-hmm. I just couldn't see. I just couldn't see getting. And not only that, but I couldn't see the club getting over it for quite some time as well. Yeah. And yeah, that was. Oh, and um, Joe, this summer, how are you feeling about it? I mean. Moving, I mean, the lads make a very good point, and it's an obvious point. It's one I've not thought of, to be honest, that a lot rests on the Champions League result uh, in terms of our happiness over the summer. Um, but that aside, how are you feeling about just having a break from football? 
I can't wait. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, all the travelling and, and just working my life around this football club, which I love to bit. Uh, but at this time of year, I've just I'm burnt out and I'm ready to do other things and put yeah. my focus elsewhere. Um, I'm sick to death. For, I know I don't want to put a dampener on it, but it does get to me the media coverage of the club twenty four seven. Being able to switch off from that for some, I know some people can blank it out, but it just always seems to find its way into my kind of sphere. So I'd be glad to have a break from that um, and just yeah. Just to switch off and hopefully to to bask in what will be one of the greatest achievements probably in football history, isn't it? A treble, if they can do it. That's me tapping wood. But I mean, if they don't <laughs> if they don't, worst case scenario, I mean, you know, let's be honest, five titles in six years isn't bad, is it? Not at all. Exactly a bit of perspective and I've got some bad news for you, Joe. I mean, you'll know this as well. It's just going to get worse over the summer in terms of media coverage because they won't have any games to report on, so they will take a broader view of football and they have to write about something. So it's going to be City all summer, I think. It's going to be a bit of a warfare on Twitter. Um, I, I will oh, say, no football, England, Macedonia. And Malta. No. Don't forget Malta. <laughs> um, <laughs> North, and, Macedo- as- North Macedonia, I should say. As someone that you know, I write about football, obviously it's my livelihood. So the other day I planned for the summer and I was I always get a bit of a sick feeling if there's no major tournament because, you know, my earnings will just drop substantially. And um I was quite relieved to discover that really in reality you've got the England games, um and then obviously you've got the preseason and the transfer rumours, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And and I pretty much worked out that it'll be about four weeks max with no football so it's not going to be a summer as such it's going to be a month without football and, and then it all starts up again with you know there'll be US tours and and big signings etc etc so it never goes away really I long Stick. for the summers of like two thousand. sorry Chris uh, of like 2007 no, ahead, eight, when we got Shinawatra and yeah. it was almost like and on um an unknown quantity of what was coming in. Um, whereas now it seems like everything's quite laboured, like Cucurella and I think Jorginho one summer. Things just seem to, to drag out and everyone kind of knows who our targets are these days, don't they? Stay, uh, Hattie, not a fan of I Thai know. dictators. No idea what's going on. <laughs> I'm going back on mute. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> she, she heard Shinawatra and, yeah. and her conscience reality. I just want to... Can I just say something about what... what um, what Joe was saying about cover- media coverage, and obviously it, it's been saturated this season more than any other season. It's felt at its absolute peak um, amount of zeal and bile t- towards us. But but there, there was um, on one of the pods, Stefan mentioned that he'd listened to the Times Game podcast when they're reviewing the title win after we beat, uh, well, be, being uh, getting it after we after beating Chelsea. And I, and I was so curious. I went to listen to it. I've not listened. I've not listened to that podcast for a long, long time. Oh, Chris. And well, but there was a strange sense of calm washed over me when I listened to it, because um, what it did, and I urge listeners to to listen to it, because what it did was was it confirmed beyond any reasonable doubt that there is an agenda there. 
because the opening line was about how unhappy they were all feeling because City had won the title. And then, it, and then as they rolled it out, it became very, very clear that they would, they would present caveat upon caveat upon caveat to avoid having to discuss the quality of the football and the achievement that Guardiola had 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 made this season and the previous seasons before and there was i think greg mcdonald was presenting a slightly limp but some defense of it but generally it was it was there was they they made no attempt to obscure it anymore it was absolutely clear and actually i just thought okay this is disgraceful and if i was in the studio with you i would tear you a new one but actually now it's kind of, okay, you're being explicit about it. You're putting your cards on the table. I know exactly where you stand now. Um, but also, what, once I could remove my anger, I could really hear how remarkably petty and desperate their arguments were. And so, so it, it, I still think it's worth listening to because it just makes it, it doesn't, it doesn't reinforce what we already know. It just establishes the fact that, that they just don't care anymore. And and but this summer, who who's going to be the happy and who's going to be the unhappy people? Exactly. And it's very likely we're going to be the happy people. I mean, talk about pettiness. I mean, there was a, that was it. Jonathan Liu wrote about the um, the actual manner in which we, yeah. we, we celebrated winning the league, uh, and that it was pre-planned and all the rest of it. And you think, well, okay, if you're going to go to those levels now, you are just making yourself look stupid. Um, Anyway, that is a pod for another time, and I can assure listeners we will be having a media pod coming up quite soon. Um, and we'll eight hours, I've heard it. Eight hours, both barrels, absolutely. Uh, Howard, thank you very much for joining me today, mate. Hey, you, you promised I could slag off Frank Lampard. Sorry, that should be another pod. <laughs> go on, away you go. He's crap. There you go. He's awful. He's I, mean, atrocious I think he's manager. won four. I mean, I just, you know, I just, because of the game last night, it's like, which I didn't watch, but when is he going to stop being the darling of, yeah, the old school British the Privilege. Media? Yeah, yeah. Four games. Ha- I think he's won this season. He's kind of relegation form with two different sides now, which is quite an achievement. And I guarantee he'll walk into another job somewhere. Somewhere he will walk into another job because he was a really good footballer. And it's absolutely staggering that, well, how Chelsea have been run this season. I guess he's just the epitome of how Chelsea have been run since Bowley came in. And now Bowley's stepping back. What? I mean, imagine. I'm sorry, I'm doing this again. Tinfoil hat, agenda, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's got it in for us. Imagine. City being run like that for a year and the coverage get imagine us being run like United for the last decade mm-hmm. and that's the key to why City are where they are going for a treble is we are the best run club Brighton apart perhaps in the country at the moment Chelsea are not a serious club and oh, I love be- it and, and not far behind them neither are Spurs I love a succession reference there. I love it. Well, it's just the fact is, is that the level of incompetence of management of an institution in the Premier League is very prevalent because of the amount of money involved. Incompetent management at every level in a club can can be obscured by the amount of money that, that that's coming in. That's why Everton need to go down because when you don't have that cushion anymore, the incompetence of the management structure will be will be laid bare at the minute. 
Chelsea and Spurs can hide behind because they have such an influx of cash each season for, for, from the television and, uh, and sponsorship deals. But then Howard, as Richard Keyes told us, Frank Lampard is a legend of the club. That's why he got the job. No, he, he, knows, he, he knows it. the club. Yeah, he gets he it. knows yeah, it. Yeah. He get... Nagelsmann, yeah, he's won a Bundesliga, but hey, it's Frankie Hipster. Lampard. Hipster nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, on a skateboard. I love them, Steve, yeah. but they're not serious clubs. Love it. Yeah. Love it. We're going to end it there. Howard, thank you very yeah. much. Thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed it. <laughs> Chris, thanks for joining today, mate. Pleasure as always, gentlemen. Joe, thank you very much, man. Not a problem. I was just going to ask the last thing. Um, Billy McNeil. Last manager to relegate two clubs in the same season, City and Villa. <laughs> if not, if he'd have taken over Chelsea in November, December, I think that record would have been under threat. But yeah, thank you very much for having me. <laughs> oh, can, can I just say as well, champions. So. <laughs> Lovely way to end. Just to remind but, everyone, yeah, we're champions yes, again. Champions of England, best team in the land and all the world. We'll That's always a- sing that. that's a wrap for today folks we're off to brace ourselves for a summer without any meaningful football it's a packing away of our lucky pants and going commando each Saturday that's the worst part in the meantime take care of yourselves be well and forever up the league champions